Hi everyone! Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And we're back. Here we are. Alright, so we wanted to start off today by mentioning a couple of our wonderful fans because we've been mentioning at the end of our podcast, of course, it helps a lot if you leave rate and reviews. And we had two reviews. We're obsessed with our listeners. Yeah, honestly. Um, one of them was from Sibby with a bunch of Y's. Um, two, and the other one was from Megamac, and they literally put the sweetest reviews on our Apple Podcast app. Yeah, I almost cried, I'm not gonna lie. Honestly, <laughs> Bryn sent me them, she's like, go look, go look, and I was like, oh my god! It was such a nice, like, brightening part of my day. Honestly, it doesn't take much for me to get really happy. Yeah. And that made me really happy. So exciting. So we yeah. can't wait to give you guys your stickers. Yes. Hopefully you like the new ones we're gonna send. Yes. So thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. And we do see the reviews. We do. We check often. Yes. Okay. So should we get right into our coffee review today? Yeah, I think we should. All right. So today we're doing another black and brass coffee. This one today is called Batch 32, and um, let's see, I'll read the description on their website here. It says, the mother of all blends, Ethiopia Yergachev creates the base for this full-bodied sugar-smoke combo, rich earth coating, thick and complete. And boy, was she thick and complete. She was the mother <laughs> of all coffees. She was the mother load. <laughs> so... <laughs> Before we get into what we want to say about this coffee, full disclosure, we do my a, coffee was sabotaged yes, today. She, yes, yeah. We I, do a quick, like, in the beginning, before we start recording, we're like, all right, is there anything you want to, like, specifically mention? And she's like, mine's, like, it's, like, really sweet. Yeah, I'm like, maybe it's the sugar notes in the coffee, and Kelsey's like, I don't know, like, maybe it's the creamer, and I'm like, no, it's definitely the coffee. And as I'm sipping, <laughs> I look at the bottom of my cup and I'm like, what the fuck is that? I thought there was like a, an insect or something in there. Yeah, and I show Kelsey and I'm like, well, this is why it was so sweet. Carson sabotaged my coffee and put a full fucking Reese's peanut butter cup <laughs> in my coffee and it's just melted at the bottom of my cup. It's literally just been marinating for the past, like, ten minutes with warm coffee, so it's completely melted. I'm surprised you didn't say, why doesn't it say peanut butter in it? Like, no, I didn't milk. taste that at all, though. I mean, from what I tasted, the coffee is absolutely delicious, but we're gonna rely more on Kelsey's yeah. review today, since my coffee was altered. Sabotage. <laughs> Sabotage! No, I really, really like this coffee. Um, we are thinking that the blend is, like, more so of a medium to dark roast blend, mm -hmm. um, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come out and say it. I, I'll give this one an 8.5. Ooh. Yeah. I, I really think they, they did a good job of explaining it when they said full-bodied, because this is, like, a very, it is a full-bodied coffee. Yeah. It's, it's not watered down at all. It's yeah. very flavorful. And we had talked about smoky, a coffee that was smoky in our last episode, and that one, we didn't like the smoky taste. It was more of a smoked, like, it was, smoked meat. It was, yeah. That kind of taste. It was more like a, it tasted like barbecue, barbecue. to me. Yeah. This one this is one's not. not like that at all. Yeah. It tastes like, I, I can't honestly even taste like a smoky thing, note to it at all. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't um, have known, um, but, like, before we read yeah. the description. Yeah. 
I like this one a lot. What would you rate? Do you want well, a sip of mine? Well, yes. <laughs> Take please. a sip of my not sabotage coffee. Thank you, Carson. He just wanted his five seconds of fame. <laughs> he just missed me so much. He's like, I must leave remnants of myself. She knows I love Reese's. I'm going to put it in her coffee. And you know, I saw him over there unwrapping them too. Seriously? I thought he was just like downing them. Yeah. I can't believe he did that. That little sneak. He, listeners, come at him because. <laughs> Yell at Carson. <laughs> This is your coffee review, and he sabotaged it. No, don't. I love my brother, but that was rude. <laughs> um, I would also give it an 8.5, sipping... Oh, sorry, I got lipstick on your, your no, mug. That's okay. Um, <laughs> she's mouthing, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I would also rate it an 8.5. I think it's a really delicious coffee, and a coffee that I wouldn't get sick of after a while. Yes, it's like a good daily coffee. Yes. So we've reviewed Black and Brass before, as I'm sure you remember. Go back to episode 42 for, um, you know, everything that we've talked about on there, like about their shop and about the people that we were in contact with and everything about them. And then we reviewed them again in episode 45 and 47. Woohoo. And I think we have one more from them coming. Yeah. yeah. So if you'd like to check them out, go to their Instagram at Black and Brass Coffee. Or you can check them out on their website at blackandbrasscoffee.com. Go to their website. They have a shit ton of coffees and they look amazing. Oh my gosh, one's called Soul Sister. I think I need that one. How delicious. I wonder what the notes are in that one. I know. I'm going to look at it. I think I need to get that one just because of the name. All right. So are we ready? Yeah. Before we get into our episode, we did just want to um, mention about everything that's going on in Kabul right now. I'm sure everyone has heard about what's going on in the news. um, And we did want to just quickly touch on that real quick before we started. Yeah. So without going into too much detail of everything that's happened, since most likely everyone knows by now because this recording is coming out basically two weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to give a brief moment of silence for the our fallen heroes because they gave their lives to serve our country, and we cannot be more grateful yeah. for that, and we're thinking of them and their families. So in honor of the 13 fallen soldiers, we would like to give 13 seconds of silence. All right, you ready? Yep. So grab grab your your coffee coffee and and have have a morning with us. Okay, guys, so we are going to do a little something different this week for this episode. We're doing two different uh, cases. It's actually two different stories of people that were, you know, more famous in the spotlight and they were accused or have committed a crime. Mm -hmm. So we help you are okay with this little switch up. Yeah. It's a little change, mm-hmm. a little switchy switch. All right, so the first case is about Christian Chavez. His full name was Jose Christian Chavez Garza. He was born August 7th, 1983 in McAllen, Texas. He married William John Murphy in 2005 and divorced in 2009. In March of 2007, a magazine published pictures of Chavez signing documents and exchanging rings with another man who was later identified uh, as B.J. Murphy. 
So clearly, William John Murphy was called Bill. Yeah, and I think this is kind of fucked up that this is the way he was outed. Yeah. Um, it said that because in October of 2006, he denied rumors of homosexuality. So he was literally outed by the media. And Yeah, that's just fucking awful. Yeah, that no one deserves that. No. Once the magazine published these pictures, he then came out as gay publicly. Chavez is described as the first high-profile figure in Mexican showbiz to come out. Well, claps for him for that. And that had to have been a lot of pressure. Yeah. I don't like certain things about him, but I'm I'm glad he was able to come out. Even though he was kind of forced to. Yeah. And this is a wiki quote. Quote, in an interview with Televisa approximately three months after his coming out, Chavez said that the decision allowed him to, quote, Begin a healing process in which I left things behind and began many wonderful things. End quote. So at least something good came out of him being publicly outed. As horrible and traumatizing as that may have been for him. Yeah. I don't understand how the media thinks it's okay to do things like that. Because they just want money. Yeah. As fucked up as that is. So now getting into his career, just in case people are listening who don't know about him. He was best known in his professional life for being a singer, songwriter, and actor. In 2002, Chavez was cast as Fernando Furcho Lucina in the telenovela Classe 406. In 2004, Chavez joined telenovela Rebelde. Did I do okay? Yeah, that was good. I hope. As one of the lead characters, Juan Giovanni Mendez Lopez. From 2004 until 2009, he was in a Mexican Latin pop group named RBD. He was one of six members, and this was... How he became more popular, mostly mm-hmm. through this his music. This group became popular from the telenovela Rebelde and made nine studio albums. RBD was one of the best-selling Latin music artists of all time, which is insane. That's amazing. Yeah. He had international success and the group sold over 15 million records worldwide and to date they have sold over 20 million records. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why, but just this, his like whole background and doing the telenovela. Have you ever watched Jane the Virgin? Yes. Like bits and pieces, like only a couple episodes. Like the whole thing is like based off of a telenovela. Really? Yeah, and I thought of that like the entire time I was thinking about his past. I just thought about the whole show. (laughs) Well, I've watched telenovelas just because um, growing up, I don't know if my friend Evie listens to this, but my friend Evie, her family's Puerto Rican, and whenever I was over at her house, her mom always had telenovelas on. They're so entertaining. They are, though. I really love them. So, August 15th, 2008, RBD released that they decided to split up, went on one final tour, and then the band kind of just ended and dispersed. Yeah. June 2007, he appeared in the stage show Hoy No Mi Puedo Leventar, and in May 2008, he was in Avenida Q. He actually also became a solo artist after the band's breakup, which... I feel like that's like a Jonas Brothers move. Or a One Direction, Harry Styles type True, move. true. He was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make something of this. Oh, God, I went to sip this <laughs> coffee and I see the Reese's at the bottom. Thanks, guys. Reese's. <laughs> Reese's. Reese's. Gosh. Let's argue over it. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're going to do a poll. Reese's or Reese's? Tell us what kind of person you are. <laughs> Tell us what part of the country you're from is more like it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, okay, so he became a solo or- artist, and his first album hit number 56 on to- on Mexican pop charts. So, eh. Yeah. Eh. 
Not the greatest, but you know, he, he did something. Mm-hmm. April 2011, he released a music video for his single, his single called Libertad. He went viral on YouTube and became an anthem for gay youth in Latin America. Aww. That's good. August 14th, 2012, he released his album Essential, which is an acoustic compilation of songs performed at his show in Sao Paulo, Brazil in January of 2012. Sacrilegio, a song on the album, was in the top ten of Mexican pop charts. So that one did well. Yeah. So now we're going to get into some of the legal troubles he had throughout the years after. In April 2007, People in Espanol published a report that Chavez and his then-husband, BJ Murphy, had a physically abusive relationship. And at the time, Chavez denied this claim. So once again, I mean, whether it was true or not the media blowing up his fucking spot and yeah. putting personal information like that that he is claiming wasn't true yeah. in a magazine. They don't even care. It's so disgusting that mm. literally it just reminds me of Britney Spears and I don't even want to go there. Yeah. It breaks my heart. Yeah. May of 2007, Chavez was arrested for allegedly buying marijuana in New York City. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, so fucking what? Yeah. He, he bought some weed. Leave him alone. Oh my god. So, now we're getting into... He's probably smoking I know. to calm his nerves from all the anxiety that these magazines are I giving know. him, putting now, his personal life out in the public. And now the media is probably like, he's a also a drug addict. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy. So now we're getting into, like, escalation, if you want to call it that. March of 2012, Chavez confirmed that he was dating Los Angeles real estate agent Ben Stewart Kruger. February of 2013, Chavez was accused of throwing a cinder block through a skylight at their apartment. Smashing through and thumping to the floor. Thank God someone wasn't standing under that skylight. Oh my God. For real though. That's, that is scary. You have to have a lot of anger inside of you to do that. That is scary. (laughs) Where he's like, fuck you. And just picked up the Where did he get the cinder block? Oh my God. Oh my God. It's like. It's like. It's Sabina and Ursula. (laughs) The roof tile. We're circling back. She put back. the roof tile in her pocket. If yeah. you don't know what we're talking about, go back. I think that was episode two of our podcast. It was. <laughs> that was literally still one of the craziest cases yeah. I've ever heard yeah. of, ever. Yeah. And I think about it all the time. <laughs> so moving on to April 2013, Chavez and Stuart Kruger were both arrested after having a domestic dispute at their home. According to Stuart Kruger, he had broken up with Chavez the day before and told him to move out. And Ben Stork Kruger obtained a temporary restraining order against him. Documents were then filed saying that, quote, Chavez broke down the bathroom door and attacked him armed with a knife. And that was a quote from Fox News. God. So then he was accused of attempted murder because of that. Yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) Yeah, I would would think. Yep. Both were released on $50,000 bail. And May 2013, Chavez had not been prosecuted immediately due to lack of evidence. The DA's office couldn't determine which man was the aggressor since both were accusing each other at this point. Mm. Which... Typical. I mean, someone had to have been in the bathroom if the door was kicked down. Who was in the bathroom? Because that kind of answers the question. Right. So, the Beverly Hills Police... Or, I'm sorry, the case was returned to the Beverly Hills Police for a further investigation, and charges were then dropped from lack of evidence. I feel like that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. 
So now we're into the aftermath, which is in October of 2013. Chavez published pictures on Twitter showing his bloodied wrist, which was a suicide attempt. Which is very sad. Yeah, and he entered a rehab program in Mexico. It's really sad that he not only attempted suicide, but felt that he should put it on social media. Like, that's a cry for help. Definitely, yeah. In 2016, Chavez appeared on the telenovela Desperada Contigo, which is the first telenovela since Rebelde. 2020, he appeared on Netflix original series The House of Flowers. Which I'm Have like, you seen that? No, I was like, I want to watch that Me now. too. I had not, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I've never heard of it. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, also, in August of 20, or I'm sorry, August. Where did I get August from? I don't know. Combined <laughs> also and in. <laughs> also, in 2020, Dutch makeup artist Maiko Kemper came forward with domestic violence allegations and said that he ended a relationship with Chavez after a heated argument, which, okay. He also said that Christian smashed a bottle of tequila over his head and he lost consciousness. I'm not laughing at that because that's really bad. You're laughing because you're nervous. I'm very nervous. That makes me really upset. Christian denied the allegations and accused Kemper of slander. Can we just say that how, like, what a weird coincidence that his last name is Kemper. Oh my god, is he related to Ed? I hope not. Is he related to Ed? Yeah. I think that that, I mean, that's kind of where we're going to end it with this one. Yeah. Nothing really came of it, but it was a crime that happened, regardless of if, if the attempted murder happened or not. There's clearly domestic abuse within yeah. this case, and yeah. he was a public figure. And I feel like it's really sad because... He was also a symbol for many people mm-hmm. in the gay community. And then, like, and he, he just went been, downhill. Yeah, and he went through, like, a lot of stuff. I just wonder that, how much, like, media, like, played in that. Yeah. You know? Because I yeah. feel like people don't see that side of it, too. I know. I... Part of me feels for him in some ways. Yeah. And then part of me is, like... If he really is this crazy man throwing cinder blocks through... And smashing tequila yeah, bottles. Yeah, and smashing tequila bottles over people's heads, he really needs some kind of help. Definitely needs help. Yeah. Just saying, too, maybe if Chavez was allowed to smoke the marijuana that he wanted, it would have helped calm his nerves yeah. a little bit. Instead of getting, like, put on the spot for getting some weed. Yeah. Jesus. But, yeah, I want to check out... When I saw the House of Flowers that he's in that, I was like, wait, is that the same as Flowers in the Attic? But I don't think it is. No, I don't... I don't think so. Yeah. I want to look it up. All right. Shall we move on to our next person? This one shocked me. This one. This one's very cray cray. Yeah. So the first one was much calmer than the second one. This one is all over the place and it really threw me through the loop. And it can get kind of graphic. Yeah. Just saying. All right. So for this second case, we're going to be talking about Johnny Lewis. He was born Jonathan Kendrick Lewis, and he's credited in some films or shows as Johnny K. Lewis. Mm-hmm. So he was born October 29th, 1983. Oh, so is Chavez. Weird. They're born in 1983. Yeah, weird. That's a weird coincidence. Yeah, he was. So he was born in October on October 29th, 1983, in Los Angeles, California. We he, planned that. <laughs> yes, we did. He grew up in North Hollywood and Sherman Oaks, which are parts of. Uh, Los Angeles. He was the middle child of Michael and Devana Lewis, and for most of his life, he was a Scientologist. That is interesting, and I'm terrified of Scientology. And I wonder if that played into part of what 
Yeah, what's going happened? on in his head? If yeah. you don't know about Scientology, look it up, but I'm not talking about it because I'm terrified that yeah. they're going to find me. Yeah. All right. So he was raised in a, <laughs> quote, Jewish-oriented household, and his family also practiced Scientology. His dad and mom both did. His parents attained the highest available level within Scientology. So they Which were up there. means they put a lot of money into it as well. Yeah. And Lewis actually left the Church of Scientology in his early 20s. So mm. don't know how he kind of made his way out of that, but he did. Yeah. He was an actor in TV and film, and many of you who are listening will probably recognize some things once we get to it. Yeah. A random fact, he dated Ka- uh, Caddy. <laughs> <laughs> Cottie Herring. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> He dated Katy Perry from 2005 to 2006. So getting into his career a little bit, he started off in guest roles in TV shows, Boston Public in the year 2000, The Guardian in 2001, and American Dreams in 2002. In 2004, he was in the feature film Raise Your Voice alongside Hilary Duff, Hmm. our girl Hilary Duff. Love her. She's just amazing. In 2005, he was in the film Underclassmen. He co-starred in the Fox series Quintuplets and guest starred in four episodes of Drake and Josh (laughs) as one of Drake's bandmates. That's where it hit me. I was like, ah. Ugly, brother. (laughs) Literally, that's where it hit me. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh. You're like, why does he look so familiar? He's from Drake and Josh yeah. in those four episodes. Yeah. So, 2005 to 2006, he played Dennis Chili Child Dress on the OC, or Childress. I don't know how you pronounce that. I've never watched the OC. Neither. Don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was on a guest spot on the TV show Smallville, I which I also that. thought was super fucking weird. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, I used to love Smallville. Really? And eventually, part of the reason I want to cover Nexium is because of is that. because there's two act two or three actors that were in Smallville, and the one girl from Smallville was one of the head like oh, leaders god. of Nexium. Oh my god! Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, so that's kind of weird More that he fun. had a connection with that show as well and Scientology it's like what did they do on that set of that show right to those people something yeah in 2011 he starred in the film Magic Valley and he was most well known for his role as prospect biker Kip Halfsack Epps on the first two seasons of the FX series Sons of Anarchy, which I fucking love. Okay. And that's where I knew him from. I tried. I need to try again. Oh my god. You have to. That show is I tried, so like, good. I, it was probably like over five years ago. I tried and I just like gave up after the first or second episode. That was one of my favorite series for a while. Same with my sister. Elise loved that series. Oh my god. Well, she'll know who Half Sack is then. You know. So, now we're going to get into the legal troubles that started throughout the years after um, his Sons of Anarchy. April 6, 2010, Diane Marshall Green gave birth to Lewis's daughter named Kalame, and they ended up separating and had a long, hard custody battle. Aww. Yeah. Kala, that's such a cute name. I know, I've never heard that that's name so before. so different, yeah. Um, he was arrested three times between 2011 and 2012. So I'm going to get a little deeper into that. But um, in January 3rd of 2019... He went for a walk and thought he heard cries, so he broke into a house. Two men arrived and, and then asked him to leave. They were like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. 
He then struck the two men in the head with bottles. He bit one of the men trying to run away, but eventually he was, like, overpowered and detained until the police came. He was charged with trespassing, burglary, and assault with a deadly weapon. Um, he was then sent to Twin Towers Jail and was in voluntary confinement for on a psych ward for 72 hours. Wow. When he left jail, his family said he returned home a total wreck. His sister said that she he had, like, two black eyes, and she described him as, like, I think it was, like, a hurt forest animal. Like, he was, like, very, like... Like, it broke him. Yeah. Aww. Um... Yeah, she said that he wanted to be in the dark all the time, so he kept the lights off constantly, and eventually it got to the point where he was turning off all the lights so much that he ended up diffusing the fu- the, the fuse box. Wow. Yeah. So... That's, like, uh, with what happens, I... Part of me is, like, wow, like, you're fucked up, but then part of me feels for him if this was mental illness or something going on in his head yeah. that he could, you know? Like, I know. I don't know. The whole thing There's obviously just... something going on where he really needed some kind of help. And, like, leading up to the thing that happened at the end, it was all, like, little, like, th- not that these things are little, but it was smaller crimes like this kind of building up. Mm-hmm. Um, he then attempted suicide by cutting his wrist after he was, you know, released from jail that time. Weird. Also, like, Chavez. Yeah. Weird. That's weird that they're connected. Yeah. His family then kept an eye on him for a while, like, kept him in the house, didn't really, like, let him, you know, go out and do much because they were, like, protecting him. And then they felt that he was stable enough to go out. He moved to Santa Monica and purchased a... M- <laughs> purchased a man. <laughs> this is when shit got weird. He purchased a man. <laughs> Okay. He moved to Santa Monica and punched a man outside of a yogurt shop. Apparently it was, like, over something really small and and meaningless. And he was released on $20,000 bail. A couple days later, he then walked into the ocean fully clothed and was hospitalized for hypothermia. So something was was going on. Something was brewing. Yeah. He was not well. Wow. Six weeks later, he was accused of attempting to break into a woman's home, and he told, he, like, claimed that he thought that it was one of his friend's house. So Why he was definitely confused. Why would you break into your friend's house, though? I don't know. But yeah, there was, he really needed help. Yeah. And this was, like, I feel like these were all mini cries for help, too. Yeah, and, like, if all these years beforehand he had been this completely fine person and never committed crimes and then all of a sudden this crime spree started like something and he wants to be in the dark and he is described as like a wild animal like something's not right yeah um a probation official said that he was concerned for the well-being of the community as lewis had mental health issues and chemical dependency problems in may of 2012 lewis's friend tucker Picked up his friend for court. They had, like, many court appearances to go to. Mm -hmm. And he said he was, quote, another person completely. Wow. He looked like... He had looked... He had a look I've only seen in disturbed veterans of war. His memory was scattered. He vacillated between basic lucid conversation and incoherence. Wow. That gave me the chills when I read that. That scared the shit out of me. That's really disturbing. Yeah. He was released from L.A. County Jail in September of 2012. 
So now you know all of the more recent crimes that happened. We'll get into kind of maybe why they happened. Yeah. All right, so getting into, as we mentioned, he obviously had some kind of mental health issues going on. Yeah. On October 30th, 2011, Lewis was in a motorcycle accident and had head injuries from this accident. He refused multiple attempts at an MRI of his head, which... Yeah. I don't... It's kind of weird that you can take refusals for someone who had a head injury because what if he's refusing it because of the head injury well they said that he was in the hospital they he passed all of the blood work tests after the um initial injury and they recommended like you should get an mri and he was like no and he was like no i'm not doing that and it's it's up to you you really can't no one can say yes you have to but it's like when it's regarding your head like what if he's making that decision because his mind isn't thinking right yeah and then his dad set up two subsequent appointments for MRI, like, for MRIs for him to go to, and he didn't show up. Wow. Yeah. So, apparently, since the accident, his mental health worsened, and he had illogical behavior. During an acting class in December, he kept speaking in a British accent, and when his friend Tucker asked him why he was doing that, he said he, quote, shrugged it off. He was like, eh. Yeah. I don't know. His father tried getting him help, but he refused it, as Kelsey just mentioned. His attorney pushed for rehab to avoid trial, and in August 2012, he was well enough to be moved out, or I'm sorry, moved to outpatient status. He then made a deal with the district attorney of the San Fernando court, his freedom for quote-unquote time served. Yeah. And Lewis was then told that he would likely only be in jail for a couple more days, but he actually spent two more months in jail, and this obviously did not help his mental health. Right. Like, that's when it escalated, yeah. broke him, whatever you want to call it. And remember, that's when he came back and attempted suicide after that. Right. Which, I feel like the system is just not right. Yeah. Like what's what's going to come next might not have happened if he got the proper help he needed yeah still may have but who knows yeah so now we're getting into the crimes and deaths that occurred september 26 2012 five days after being released from jail lewis and 81 year old landlady katherine davis were found dead at davis's home davis was known to host a bed and breakfast for up-and-coming performers directors etc A little background info on Katherine Davis. She was known as Miss Kathy by her tenants. Mm. Little 81-year-old Miss Kathy. Miss Kathy. She was a Texan who moved to California in 1950. She went to UCLA and worked in publishing jobs before marrying James H. Davis. She had a daughter, and she divorced in the 1980s. At this time, her daughter, Margaret Leslie Davis, was all grown up, and Davis decided to become a real estate agent. So, Kathy was known as very friendly by her tenants. For example, she offered a ride to one of her tenants when his cab did not show up. (laughs) She would prepare food and welcome her tenants home with open arms if they had a bad pitch or auditions. She's like, let me make this better for you. Yeah, everyone said that it was, like, a healing place to go. Like, it was a very healing environment. Rent was... Uh, $1,650 to $3,000 per month for one bedroom with a sitting area and bath. And, of course, Kathy's 
welcoming presence. Yes. Lewis actually lived there in 2009 and decided to move back in when this, around this time that this occurred. Yeah. Police were called after Lewis attacked two people next door and Davis was heard screaming. He reportedly jumped over the fence into the neighbor's yard and assaulted the house painter and homeowner. Earlier in the day, he introduced himself to the house painter and the homeowner as, quote, their new neighbor, John. That's so strange. And then he just goes over and attacks them? Yeah, and his... I mean, it's weird, too, that he called himself John when he was never known as John. Yeah. Um, So in the house, it was a husband and a wife, and then the house painter... And the wife was heard screaming, like, come outside, come outside. He allegedly punched the painter in the face until he was bleeding. When the homeowner stepped in, he punched the homeowner in the face. He was able to punch him and then ran back towards the house. That, like, that gave him a second to, you know, get back to the house. When they got to the house, they tried closing the door, but Lewis's arm was, like, holding in between the door and the wall so they couldn't close it all the way. Oh, my God. And after, like, slamming it a few times, they were eventually able to close it and lock the door, and then they called the police on him. Wow. Lewis was found dead in the driveway, and Davis was dead in the house with severe head injuries. Her cat was also found dead in the bathroom, and I'm not even going to go into detail about how the cat was found, because it's bad. What the fuck? Like, why? What happened? Like, not only what did this sweet little old woman ever do to you what did her cat fucking do to you too i know that you decided to do this to her and the cat this old like what was going through his head i wonder i don't know so remember he was found in the driveway so the lapd said that he either fell or jumped from the roof slash garage of davis's house Um, the death was originally investigated as a homicide, saying that he may have been, like, pushed off, but they ruled it an accident. Mm. It was later determined that he killed Davis by strangulation and blunt force trauma to her head. An autopsy report said that he tested negative for alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, psychedelic drugs, and antipsychotic medications. He wasn't on anything. No. He literally wasn't on anything. Yeah. But he probably should have been on meds for whatever was going on in his head. Yeah. I'm just, I felt like this was a good time to insert this here. His friends described him as, quote, intoxicating, not intoxicated. He was more likely to drink tea and play chess until 3 in the morning than slam shots or pop pills. Quote, that's what made Johnny special, says actor and longtime friend Jonathan Tucker. Quote, no drugs, no alcohol, just poetry and philosophy. That's very sad. Yeah. So, like, what went wrong? Like, usually I never feel for someone who could take someone's life so brutally like that, but it's clear that he wasn't always like this. Yeah. And he really had some form of mental illness going on. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is over these years, like, when the legal battle was happening with him, he did get put on medication. He was told that he was bipolar and that he was psychotic, and his dad was like, they never gave us a straight answer on his diagnosis, which made it so hard. Like, what medication should he be on? I think they put him on um, Zyprexa and 
something else. When really he had, like, some kind of traumatic brain injury from that accident. Right. I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And I don't think, I think the medications were not working because of that being the cause. Yeah, that wasn't, his problem wasn't being bipolar. His problem was, like, a fucking brain injury. Yeah. Which is so horrible. Not excusing him for what he did. No, not at all. Like, he still took the life of this sweet elderly woman and her cat for no reason, and he still did all these things to other people, like, punching them in the face for no reason, but clearly something wasn't right. Yeah. Where maybe if he had been properly helped, that wouldn't have all happened. Yeah. Lewis's autopsy also said that he had some signs of strangulation and fingernail marks on his neck, which was obviously her fighting back. Oh, God. I know. Lewis's family talked about his head injury, and they believed that could have caused mental health issues that led to mm-hmm. spurts of violence. And honestly, the first thing I thought of when I started reading about this case was CTE, uh-huh. which is the, the brain injury that it's most likely talked about around, like, football players, you know, back when they didn't have proper protection and helmets and everything. Um, but it's it's really scary that that, that stuff can, can happen from a brain injury. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what happened. That's what um, Aaron Hernandez had, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So you had said that, I know outside of, before we started recording, you had said to me that that can be seen after, like, post-mortem. Yeah, that's, I think, and don't quote me on this, but I think the only way to diagnose CTE is after, like, post-mortem. They can't do like a brain Mm -hmm. they can't scan your brain and see i think they can see signs of it but it can't be like diagnostically confirmed until post-mortem autopsy i hope that they did that with him i'm sure they did it just maybe was kept private for his family but you would think they would release that because then that would kind of give a reason as to why he did these things instead of him just being like a horrible fucking person yeah, you know true. like it would it would be like oh well this at least explains why. why he wasn't he wasn't himself then or maybe whatever. it didn't show that and that's why they didn't put it out there i don't know i hope they did that i know so sons of anarchy creator kurt sutter tweeted quote it was a tragic end for an extremely talented guy who unfortunately had lost his way i wish i could say that i was shocked by the events last night but i was not I am deeply sorry that an innocent life had to be thrown into his destructive path. Yes, it's a day of mourning, but it's also a day of awareness and gratitude. Sadly, some of us carry the message by dying. And a random side note, Lewis left Sons of Anarchy because he felt that the storyline was becoming too violent. See, like, that's where it tells you, like, some... It was, like, a switch for him. Like, a switch went off in his head. Because how can you not be on a show anymore? And people are describing him as this philosopher, and he sits back and drinks tea, which kind of fits the thought process of him being like, you know what, I can't be on a TV show this violent. Yeah, it's getting too much. Yeah, to then escalating to this person who committed this, like, absolutely atrocious act on this innocent woman. Yeah. Who was, who was helping him. His dad sent him there as, you know, an attempt of peace for him. Because he was like, he won't go to rehab. I'll send him to this place that he's lived at and he's gotten peace before. And this is what happened, which is horrible. Oh my god. Yeah. So sad. That's so sad that, like, so many lives had to be affected. And, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, too... 
the people who knew him and what he was like beforehand are mourning the person he was. Not the person Not the he person became. he became. Even yeah. like his friend said, he was a completely different person. Yeah. That's that's so scary. And then never mind poor Catherine's daughter who has to mourn her mother when she was literally just like at home taking care of tenants. Yeah. So so sad. I don't I don't even know. It's it's horrible. The whole thing is sad, but yeah, we thought you'd maybe like a change up and like to hear something of more of like a public figure. Because we've never really done that before. Yeah, we try to cover cases of very lesser-known people, but um, we thought we'd throw a couple out there that maybe uh, for name of names that you do know. Mm-hmm. And you guys know, I mean, the people who have been listening for a while know that typically we don't like to cover the background of the murderers yeah. or the people committing the crimes. We like to gear more towards the victims or the people who were affected by yeah. the awful people but for these cases we kind of had to give a background story in case uh those of you listening weren't knowledgeable on who these people were or like yeah. who they were and beforehand I think you can in the public see both sides of the story with these things it doesn't excuse the, the horrible thing that he did by any means or like the violence from the first case but you can kind of play not devil's advocate but you can kind of see both sides of things just and, the mental illness yeah yeah Okay, anything else we need to talk before we go? I don't know. Talk about. <laughs> the talk. Anything you want to talk? Anything you want to talk? What do you want to talk? Uh, by now, our mugs are out. Yes. Buy a mug. <laughs> Buy a mug. If the you graphics don't know, adorable. I know. They're so cool. If you don't know, on them they say... My crystal ball says you're full of shit. <laughs> I love it. That I use a, it, like, all the time. Yeah, I My sister's like, I need that in a shirt, a mug. And everything. And everything. We're sticker. trying with the shirts. Yeah. I'm sure they're not out yet. But we've got it figured out, right? Yep. Got it figured out. We're just waiting for them for you guys. Yeah. And... Guess what? This is very exciting news. Listen, perk those ears up. We are pumped. <laughs> we've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> For almost a year. <laughs> and it is here. Yes. So it's probably, we're probably building this up way too much and you guys are going to be like, wait, that's 100%. It. <laughs> but we've we been saying. We, we've been saying how we need a name for our listeners. Since like day one, we've been like, oh my God, can somebody please come up with a name for like our crew of people that listen? I know. Cause I hate just saying listeners. You guys are so much more special than that. Yeah. <laughs> so mom today was like. I, I have it. I thought of it. I have it. Ready? Yeah. On three, we'll say it. One, One two, three. three. Mourners. <laughs> <laughs> like, kind of like how we say, like, grab your coffee and have a morning with us. So you guys you're the mourners. are the mourners. You can as mourn long as you're with good us. with it. Let us know what you think. We'll do a little poll to see if you guys like it. We or can not. even like put it on some merch and stuff eventually. But I think that's I think that's a cool name for you guys. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Hope Thanks, you Mom. you guys do, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So we will talk to you guys next week. As always, send us in any recommendations or listener stories. We haven't done one of those in a while. So if you have any crazy listener stories, let us know. Yeah, and you can always head to our Facebook for resources, uh, Instagram for cool pictures and information, because we always post information on there and our highlights and stuff. Yeah. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. 
And we love you. We love you. (laughs) And we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Yes. Bye, guys. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook